welcome to another Dirt Road Discussions podcast where we talk about anything and everything agriculture. This is Ott Clark, and this podcast might get a little bit Western. We've got uh, our fearless leader, Cameron Hammond, is unable to make it, but we are looking to the future and the future of agriculture and ranching here in the Pacific Northwest might change a little bit. Have you ever wondered how we might herd cows in the future? Today, we're going to find out. Uh, we have CK from the Vents Corporation. Uh, she is a ranch success manager based here in Idaho. Uh, CK, welcome to the podcast. Can you uh, please tell everybody your last name? I didn't want yeah. to butcher it. Yeah, thank you all for, for, uh, for asking us to join. We're really happy about that. So my last name is Bishnevsky. Uh, so Polish, and you have to blame my husband for that one. So I'm always, always telling someone how to, to say my name. So that's why I'm just, just call me CK, my cowboy name. <laughs> CK, that's perfect. I, uh, my name's Ott, O-T-T, way easier to spell than what you were, uh, I guess, blessed with maybe. Yep. Yep. That's a, it's a blessing. Vince, can you describe a little bit of what, about what Vince does? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so Vince is, is kind of just um, play on a virtual fencing. So Vince is virtual fence. We actually have collars that, so that, that these cattle are wearing that actually help keep them off of a boundary. So they wear these collars. They have two different types of stimulus, sound and electric stimulus. And what you do is you, you work with the software and you draw in virtual lines. So you're building fences within seconds, they send instructions to these callers and the, the cattle will get stimulus. So it's kind of, um, if you've ever worked with hot wire fencing, it keeps them out of areas. And so it very much is the next big thing with improving fences. So it's, instead of having to go out and spend hours building barbed wire fence or even putting in hot poly wire fencing, you just do it in seconds and then the, the callers will program in where they need to stay in and where they need to go next. That's going to be incredible. Is there farmers and ranchers using this product here in Idaho? Yeah. So we actually, so I'm in Wendell, Idaho. We actually have one that's 20 miles from me. So BLM has adopted the product first here in Idaho to help some of their units get managed for, for utilizing the forage. We also have a handful of other ranchers who are adopting the project here in Southern Idaho, Northern Idaho. And so it's pretty exciting to see someone who's 20 miles from me that I can just go drive to and kind of see how the cows are doing with, with the instructions that we're giving them. So CK, BLM, Bureau of Land Management here in yep. Idaho, these are some very uh, wilderness-like areas. Yep. Does this need to be within distance of a wireless router or is Good it all question. satellite? Yeah. So what we do is we actually have towers and they're actually not like towers, like they're not huge, tall cell towers. So we're actually more like huts. So they're like four by four boxes that you put in a cell uh, Digimodem is what they're calling. It. And so I'm actually learning all these communication things. I never thought in my career that I'd be talking about like LoRaWAN Wi-Fi services. 
but the callers actually work through GPS and then they can actually work without cell signal, but you do need a tower to install. So it's about 10 to 30,000 acres per tower is what the coverage is. So it's radio frequency coverage. And so the great thing is with some of our BLM towers, they can cover up to 30, 60,000 acres, depending on what the topography is. So if you get high elevation, low elevation, lots of canyons, which, you know, we're in Southern Idaho, that's what we have. They just need a line of sight to give the, t- the callers instructions is what I call them. And then as if they get out of coverage and you have the vents how you like them, they will work without the tower. So the tower, the callers don't need individual cell connectivity. They just need to be given instructions. And when you need to change them, that's when the cows need to come back in to get the new instructions for the the Vince lines. I see. I can see a lot of amazing uh, uses of this technology, be it making your cows work the the upper highlands a little bit harder or bringing them in the in in the fall. Is that kind of what these guys are using them here that that you work with? You know, there's quite a few there's a few ways you can you can actually use them. I think it just depends on what your goals are. So are your goals to utilize forage or to keep them into an area that has been previously burned that you there's no there's no reasoning or logical like financial decision when you're leasing something that's that's not a long-term lease to build fences, right? So you can either keep them in, you could do passive grazing where you're moving them in a certain direction and you're making sure you know where they are because you get the GPS location of them every 30 minutes. Okay. Um, and then you can move them. So you, there is a there is a virtual movement fence um, that moves them from point A to point B in a, in a certain time period. Um, so there's, I think there's three or four different applications, actually maybe five that you can do with vents. And I think it just depends on what's your need. Is it a good fit for your goals? But I also think that it, I don't want to give ranchers any rules on how they use it. So that's one thing. I don't want to make a rule just because that's how I've used it, especially if you think there's a different use case for how the product will work on your ranch. Yeah. Watching videos in, in preparation for this, I watched, you know, a, a TED talk type speech where they were moving their cows and, you know, the furthest back cow, the furthest yeah. one back, they they wouldn't move the fence until that cow had moved forward. Exactly. And as soon as it moved past the line, they'd move the line forward mm-hmm. and just consistently moving their animals down out of the mountains or whatever application would work. There was one, one success story a few weeks ago, the, the rancher called me up and he was like, yeah, we moved 400 head. And then we went and looked at where the cows were. We had no idea that we had a pair left behind in like a really brushy thickety area. They're like, so we just waited, went and had lunch, came back, looked at where the cow was and then moved her back into with the rest of the herd. But but they said that she probably would have been a goner had they not known that they missed her. So that yeah. was, for me, pretty powerful. Right. That brings me to a, a question. What's the, the price of a vent system? Yeah, so um, it's a one-time tower fee. So the ten, the towers are $10,000 and 12 if you want want Vince to install it for for you. And then each caller on an annual basis, a lease. So $35 a year for the callers. $35. A a cow is worth way more than $35. So if you save one, you've uh, paid for for a lot of callers that year. Yeah. 
So what we've we've heard is they've gotten a lot of peace of mind. They've actually had to drive less to check the herd because they know that the cows are moving and they're in the right area. There's no road cows going on the wrong side of, of where they're supposed to be grazing. They've also, you know, a lot of people who are leasing either public land or, or even leasing private land, making sure they're staying out of riparian areas or that they're they're actually making sure the cows are going where they're supposed to and not on the neighbor's land has been has been pretty powerful as far as they know that that's not happening and they can prove it if if anyone questions them that their cows are getting out in the wrong area or even their bulls. Yeah. That's a, an amazing thought of keeping them out of riparian areas. Can you fence I assume you can fence an outer fence. Can you fence an inner fence to keep them off of a, a creek? Yeah, yeah. So there's three different types of fences that you can assign to the collars. So we have inclusion fences, we have exclusion fences, and we also have movement fences. So inclusion, you just kind of have to think of it as I, I call it a one-way gate theory. So, and they're probably not going to see, but you'll have two, two ways of the line. If a cow comes in from left to right, as soon as she gets on the right side and tries to escape out of that line, she'll get pressure to stay inside the pasture. So just think of that like your interior fencing. And if you have a riparian area, so like a creek, it'll make sure that no cow or cattle is allowed to go into the riparian. So all zones, anytime that they try to get into that area, they're not going to be able to get stimulus to stay out of that area. So um, it's easier with a visual aid, but hopefully that makes sense over audio. No, it, it makes sense to me. Um, okay. if, if it doesn't make sense to those guys, uh, please go look up Vences on, yeah. on the internet. They've, they've got yeah. some really cool videos. Yeah. Um, I can see, uh, I don't remember what you called it, but kind of rotational grazing would be yeah. a, a pretty good example of the, the first example that you had. Yeah. Where you can slowly push them through a field. Yeah. If you've ever heard of like ladder grazing, and so just think of like a ladder in your mind. And so because you have the one-way gates, the cows are actually, if they're going, let's just say from south to north, and you have events let's just say 10 acres, there's a vents, another 10 acres, there's a vent, another vents when you're going south to north. As soon as they get into that second pasture from, from the south going north, it closes that gate. So they can utilize that forage as they travel north, but they can't keep coming traveling down down south. So they're they're so you know if you're if you're planning for recovery, those cows are not able to come back south to have a second bite of what that forage that's regrowing. You bet. How how precise can your fences get? So that is one thing that's a little bit tricky is the collars GPS work, um, but you'll want to have pretty wide we call them management widths. And so they work up to uh, 15 feet in thickness and width. So that's how precise it's not going to be like a true hardwire fence. Just this something that gets a little bit confused. So I'm actually really glad that you asked that is it's, it's kind of a GPS fuzziness is what we call it. And it keeps them off of an area, but we like the, the width to be a little bit thicker so that we're picking up as many collars as we can, if they're not in coverage. And my understanding is that, you know, 10 feet before or, you know, a certain yeah. distance before they'll get a tone or a vibration. Is that true? So our default fences, it's its first, so it's a Pavlov theory, right? So we actually want these cows or cattle to be trained to sound and never have to do electric stimulus. 
Um, so the first pressure zone is going to be an audio. So it sounds like an, a microwave oven when it ends uh, cooking. It, it's a big loud beep. And then as they travel 15 feet into that sound zone, they get into the shock zone, which we color code those um, in the shock zone. So that once, if they're not balking away from the sound, which usually they do, which is great. But if there's really good forage on the other side of that vent, so a really cool water hole, sometimes they're really enticed to keep going. And then you get a shock zone. So every shock though is preceded by a sound. So it's, and this is really engineer gobbledygoo is what they call it, but it's, it's, um, it's a half second of shock, a second pause, and then a beep. Um, and so, so the, every shock is included with a sound, um, but we just have that extra layer of pressure for those cows that just really want to get on the other side of that, that area. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, dealt with cows a lot in my life and, uh, they they learn pretty fast. I mean, they get touched an electric fence once and they they usually don't go back for a second time. And I assume that's the same with these uh tones being able to to teach yeah. them a lesson right off the bat and they'll they'll never question it. The, yeah, the training periods that I set up with new cows that just get collars installed, it's actually just a four-day training period, which I was floored when I first started. I was like, oh, only four days. It's not going to be perfect, but they really understand what you're asking them after four days of training in the same pasture where you can just go and start your grazing plan. You can start doing and making those decisions. Do you have to train them every year or is it it's something that they'll time. remember for the yeah. rest of their lives? So, so you train them as soon as they're new to callers, four days, and then they, the training just keeps going and going. Can I tell a story? Have at it. You bet. <laughs> I was, I was actually so nervous when this producer called me and told me what they, her and um, her husband were going to do. She's like, we just put 20 collars on these heifers. So, so heifers make me nervous just because they're young and they do what they want. Right. So even working through the shoot, they're a little bit more difficult. Right. And so she's like, we have these 20 heifers we're putting collars on. We're going to put them out tomorrow on this 15,000 acre pasture that has no fencing, no hard fencing, like not even a boundary, right? Because it had just been recently recovered from, from a wildfire. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work. We haven't even trained them. And she's like, well, we have to, like, we just have to do this. And I was like, okay, well, let's try to train off of like a natural, like, barrier so like a downhill slope or like if there's a brushy area they don't want to run into brush right they're going to run away from it and she's like oh we can't even do that because it's really flat and I was like okay well let's just put events with four edges so a square put them in there overnight and see how they do they didn't escape once which I was like this is actually working this is crazy but that's a, a great story it, I do think it has to do that they had exposure to hot wire fencing. So they knew electric stimulus meant stay away. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just amazing. I had to share that one. That's, that's great. I, I love the idea of uh, being able to use it after a fire, you know, somewhere yeah. fires will come through, they might burn out, uh, you know, five miles of fence posts and yeah. it's, it's expensive to replace yeah. a lot of fencing. Yeah. And this producer, he said he hired a, a day, like a day rider. And he was like, I, I imagine this person was going to be putting cows back five days a week. And he's like, she's all, she hasn't had to do it once. And if we had to build fencing for what we've done with these 
this new lease that they got, which is only, it was only a one-year lease because it, it was a cultural lease. So um, they could have lost it, lost it the next year. There was, there's, there's no point of building 13 miles of fence. Like you said, it didn't make sense to do that. And so anyways, for him, it was it definitely a return on the investment for him to do that and get a new lease and actually not have to pay as much labor and not go visit the cows as much for him was, was worth it. Yeah. So you talked about putting, uh, the collars on a, on a heifer. Yeah. Will that heifer wear the same collar for the next seven years or do you take them Um, off every, every winter? Right. So, so part of Vince is we've actually only been deployed since last year. So the collars are inherently going to improve. So part of that 35-year lease is every time we make a product improvement, we send it to the producer and they get the newest version of the collar. Um, So these heifers will probably wear these collars for the next 12 to 18 months. We're going to get a new collar. We're already designing a new one. They will have to do a new collar. But if they wanted to keep that one, they could. They just have to put new batteries in it. So that's something that we're, we're having a little bit of a challenge on is how do we get a battery that lasts more than a year? We've tried the solar panels, but they they break down after a while and they don't create enough of a charge for what we're asking um, the callers to do as far as power usage. Um, so the batteries, they last about a year. Amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. every people work their cows once a year minimum, and right. that gives you yeah. a great opportunity to, yeah. to look into that. That's still going um, to last a lot longer, though, because that's just one last thing you have to do when you're throwing them in the chute. Yeah. You always have to leave room for improvements. You don't yeah, want to sure. create the perfect product right off the bat. Yep. We've we've mentioned cows every time. Is there a thought of making a goat or a sheep? Yeah. So you get differing opinions when you talk about goats, right? So that's always a hostile topic. We are trialing some sheep in Australia right now. And I actually think we should put them on goats. That's my personal opinion. So if you guys want to email me, hate mail, just kidding. No, um, we do want it. I think that the collar needs to be smaller. And I think that there's a lot that goes on when you're talking about goats, just because they're browsers and they graze totally differently. How are we going to pick up the collars they're up on like a hillside or in the in the trees right so we're going to try some sheep first and if that's successful i think we may dabble in the goat industry um but we're we are not we're not trying very hard to get into goats just so you know <laughs> yeah around here beef is is kind of the the go to um yeah. with with sheep herders you, you usually have a an individual out there watching them Right. Day and night, so, so it, it's yep. not quite as uh, as needed. Okay, I, I have a, a well, a few more questions um, yeah, sure. that came to mind. Storms. Okay. Do do they mess with the the collars at all? You know, a big rainstorm come through. Uh, yeah. So so great question. So there's a couple of things to go with that. So 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 we actually have had some towers get hit by lightning and they've survived. Um, they just have to reboot them. As far as being pretty water resistant, they are in a more arid environment. I think if we're still trying to figure out if we were to send collars to Florida, what would that look like? Because, you know, they get, what, 60 plus inches of rain a year and they're constantly wading in water. We haven't had too big of an issue with like water intrusion or snow or even extreme heat. We only have had issues with cows that like to go, I call it chunky ducking. They just like to go chill in ponds and they're totally submerged for hours. 
but but the engineers are coming up with a quick fix with that. They're doing some silicone on the doors and any in any like ventilation holes. We're going to figure out how to get those to keep water out. So yeah. good question. Is there uh, the transmission between the, oh, yeah. the transmitter and the, the callers? No yeah, issues so, there. Yeah, there's no issues there. And then the other thing we've seen when storms happen, the cows just do really crazy things because they're trying to get undercover or they're just, if there's lightning, they're running away. And so the callers do have kind of like a default safety mechanism so that if they need to blast out of events, they can. If there's like some kind of lightning or wildfire, we, we're not going to keep buzzing them just to make, make them stay in the fence line. Once they get to a certain threshold, that, that will turn off and the, the rancher will get an alert that um, we disable shock and sound the cow, but you'll still be able to pick up where the cows are. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a huge deal. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've helped out, you know, my family's ranch where a, a big snowstorm comes through and the cows will be 10 miles further one yeah. direction than you expected them to be. And, and what do they say that, so bison and, and cows are the opposites. So, so bison will put their nose into the wind cows will put their butts into the wind and get blown away. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I've, I've seen it happen. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they yeah. Just keep, keep walking until the storm passes them by. Yep. They let the wind push them. So, yep. All right. I, I have another question. So the vents tracking location, does it track anything else? The, yeah. the dairy industry has callers that track anything and everything that that's going on with their cattle. I, I was wondering if you guys saw any advantages to doing that as well? So we have a few things in the collar. So we have an accelerometer or pedometer. So it tracks how far and fast they're walking. So like the the reason we have that is when we get their GPS location every 30 minutes, how far are they from active events? So the collar wakes up to make sure that like if they're on events, they get that the stimulus at the perfect time. Um, So I do think that and this, we don't use this now, but I do think that will help with like estrus detection. So, you know, when they're in heat, they're they're walking and then um, pacing, or if they're about to calve, they go isolate themselves and in, in, in those things. The other thing is it does track like amb- ambient temperature. So it's the collars are not right on the body, so we can't actually track their body temperature, um, but we can get like what the weather is that day for where the cow is. I do think both of those things are going to improve so that we can tie it into estrus detection and we, we can figure out how does that apply to like animal health. Yeah. Yep. Just the, the temperature of an animal tells a million different oh, things as it turns out. Usually the temperature is when you know they're off feed before you can see the, the um, like clinical signs visually. Right. Yeah. So I think them isolating, sorry about the dogs. So them isolating from the herd too is another thing that I think will be able to to give those ranchers those insights it's like this cow went off by herself is she about to die or is she about to calve you know ranchers never had unless they were out on the on the range with them to see them Mm -hmm. it's uh it's gonna open up a whole new ball game to to all of these guys that are willing to to take the step and and get more information about their animals Mm -hmm. all right ck final question this is the question we ask every every podcast Dirt Road Discussion Podcast, we like to look down the road. Yeah. Where do you see the, the future of, of fencing and the future of, of animal agriculture? What's the, the next big thing coming down the down the pike? You know, so we've actually partnered um, with Merck Animal Health and Shell Ventures. 
And so like one of our, our big missions is we're actually not trying to replace cowboys. We're actually just trying to add value to the ranching culture and keep ranches in the family. And so when you're adding technology, it kind of gets scary as far as who has access to my, my stuff and are they trying to replace the actual cowboy ground truthing thing. So we're not doing that, but I do think the partnership with Merck Animal Health and Shell is we're going to figure out how you get ranches are going to be the most profitable. So they're going to get paid for ecosystem services that they're already providing, but they're not getting paid for. And then I also do think that the collar is down the road. It's not going to be collar that hangs off of their neck off of with the chains. It's going to be like a little chip in their neck and we can do so much with that, which I know is crazy to think about, but I do think that, it's going to get smaller and it's going to have so many cool features. I mean, just think about the first cell phone and now what we have. So I do think that down the road, it's it's just going to keep improving and getting better as, as time goes on. Yeah, I, I can see a, a million different ways that these technologies can can change. And I, I love what you said there of not replacing the cowboy. I mean, cowboy is an American staple. Absolutely. But- I, I guess we'll, we'll finish up there. Um, today we've had CK on. CK, do you want to give a plug for your podcast that you, that you run? Yeah. Um, so if, if you guys are listening to podcasts and you're not already listening, it's called Ranching Reboot. And so we just talk about kind of the ranchers who are, who are the outliers in the industry who are not doing the mainstream thing. And they're kind of through adverse events or just being forced to pivot their ranching model, we interview them and talk about how they got where they are and any advice they have for others in the industry. Yeah, amazing. We can't wait to see where where you go and can't wait to see where where Vince Vince goes into the future as well. Thanks again, CK, and uh, we'll see everybody down the road.